Sam Howell got some tough love from assistant head coach and offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy on Wednesday, and because of it, he is my top standout player from my first day at OTAs. I'll explain that and more right now on Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Thursday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the old Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, and you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders, where you can go one-on-one with me because I'm your host, David Harrison, D Harrison82 on Twitter credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for Commander Country Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss my first trip out to OTAs as media got our first in-person look at the Washington Commanders veterans and rookies together on the field in 2023. We've got some injury updates, saving that for the end, but also we've got some standout players to discuss. We're going to start off today's episode with our first of three standout players from OTA practice number two. Again, the first that we as media got to see in person, and that is a little bit of an unorthodox reason uh, to have a standout player, but it's quarterback Sam Howell. Now, you may have heard that Sam Howell had a very solid first day uh, of OTA practices. Um, external media wasn't allowed uh, to cover that day. They're only required to make one day per week of OTA practices available to the media. And the Washington Commanders, like several NFL teams, they choose to allow us the bare minimum because there's a lot of things that they're doing. And we're very talkative. We're a very uh, communicative bunch. When we see things, we like to talk about what we see. So they like to keep us from seeing uh, too much. You know what I mean? So it makes a lot of sense. I would rather be out there all the time, but it is what it is. So our first chance getting to see the Washington commanders in person, but day one, Zach Selby, the team's internal reporter was allowed to go out to practice. There were also some fans and and, uh, president at practice. So you may have seen some of that coverage, but Zach wrote his OTA notebook for day one. And basically on Wednesday, talking to him uh, down there in person, the first time the external media was allowed to attend, uh, he reiterated to me a lot of things that he wrote in his OTA day one notebook, uh, which, of course, you can find on the team's website. And on day one, Selby charted Sam Howell's passes and said that he had one true incompletion throughout that day with one ball thrown out of bounds. So that's the that's the only true incompletion is the ball thrown out of bounds. And depending on the context of it, a ball thrown out of bounds is not necessarily a bad thing, right? Well, the other three incompletions, we had four total, but the other three were actually all drops that should be attributed uh, to the receivers if the NFL tracks stats that way. Now, they don't, so officially it goes down as four incompletions for Sam Howell. But again, from a contextual standpoint, very good day uh, for the quarterback in day one. You hate to see the drops, of course, but if we're evaluating the quarterback, which is what we're talking about here is Sam Howell, then it's a very strong performance. Now, day two, not as strong as we hear that day one was. The most notable low light, though, was an interception thrown during red zone drills uh, that was picked off by safety Percy Butler, the second-year player that we expect to get a little bit more uh, of a role. And indeed, on day one uh, or day two of OTA practices, he did have uh, that increased role that we expected to see. Now, it's also important to say that veteran safety Cameron Curl was on the sideline during the team drills 
not participating in team drills physically, but super engaged, was there with their defensive backs coach. Uh, you could kind of see him mimicking going through reads and calls and checks and and definitely going through the motions from a mental standpoint, but was not physically on the field during the team portion. Now, it looked like a really good break. Back to the interception. It looked like a really good break by Butler, really good read on the route, and just a, a talented player making a talented play. And perhaps it was a too, too aggressive of a throw uh, for Sam Howell. Again, they're in the red zone drill, so they're in a short field area. Things get a lot more congested, and they're trying to fit the ball in maybe to a place where he shouldn't have. Uh, but these things are going to happen. That's what practice is for. Uh, and if it was too aggressive, too late based on the progression, maybe, or if he should have seen Butler lurking uh, in the shadows, but he but he didn't for whatever reason, that's something that will go over in film study. They'll record it. They'll talk about it. They'll teach it and they'll repeat it. But the reason I came impressed, came away impressed with how despite that interception was because of the second mistake that he made and the repercussions of that second mistake. You may have seen this on Twitter by now, but he did not chase Percy Butler as Percy Butler ran down the field with his interception, eventually did a somersault uh, to celebrate the interception. His teammates, defensive teammates were running down the field with him celebrating. Sam Howell did not pursue Percy Butler during the return. Now, he got his butt chewed for it. I mean, that, that's the only way to put it. He got his butt chewed for it. Uh, and you could very, I mean, Eric Bieniemy, assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy was probably a good 60 yards away from where I was standing. And I was standing with uh, a couple of other reporters. John Kime was in there. Mitch, Pete uh, from NBC Sports Washington were, were kind of in the same vicinity uh, that I was standing. And you could clear as day here. You threw it. You go get it from Eric Bieniemy talking to his starting quarterback. So uh, Eric Bieniemy not happy that Sam Howell was not pursuing the interceptor after throwing the interception. Now, the first team's time in that team drill Ended shortly after that, and I specifically watched how, as he walked away from the drill, went up to Coach Bienemy, uh, got some more coaching. Then he went over to Coach Ron Rivera, did some more, got some more coaching, and then he returned to the quarterback group uh, where he watched Jacoby Brissett run the second team offense. More on Jacoby uh, coming up later on the program uh, to, on tomorrow's episode. So that's tough, right? That's a, it's a tough moment for a young quarterback, first year starter. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of expectation. Uh, fans were there. Media was there and everybody knows like that voice travels. You can hear everything. So he knows that every single person that's around there, his teammates, other coaches, fans, media, we all just heard uh, went went down. Well, Howell and the first team eventually came back on the field for another red zone drill. Right. And I paid very close attention, not just to the throws, but honestly, from the moment it looked like the first team's come back on the field, I trained my eyes on Sam Howell because I wanted to see how does he bounce back from that tough love, that tough coaching. It's very different than what Scott Turner uh, presented last year, like I'm not saying Scott Turner wouldn't have corrected that type of thing or wouldn't have discussed that type of thing with him, but he would have done it in a much more private type of setting, uh, either, you know, man to man, you know, face like close, close quarters, uh, kind of say, Hey dude, like when you throw that interception, you need to go chase that's the ball carrier type of thing. But Eric Bieniemy, a little bit of a different personality, a little bit of a different style doesn't hesitate to say, Hey man, like this is what you need to do. Um, and you're not doing it. It's not the first time we've heard Eric Bieniemy do that kind of thing. It's not going to be the last time. And look, the intention from Eric Bieniemy is not to embarrass his players. It's not to it's not to showboat and say, "Hey, everybody, look at me correcting this guy." That is his leadership style, and it's an accountability leadership style. It says, "Look, I don't care if you're the starting quarterback. I don't care if you're a third round or a third string running back. If you're not doing your job, I'm going to communicate with you what it is I want you to be doing very clearly, so there's not going to be uh, any confusion." Well. 
when they came back onto the field, uh, I paid close again attention again to Howell's demeanor and his play. He was confident. Didn't appear to try to be making up for that play, which I think is huge for a young quarterback. He was making smart throws, not hero throws, as I call it, and ended up navigating his team into the end zone. Both situations occurred again in the red zone drill. And I'll be honest, there were several days last year where we saw veteran quarterbacks, much more veteran than Sam Howell, have some struggles. And then you could see them coming onto the field trying to make that hero throw, trying to make up for that bad play. Or they continue to make those mistakes and the body language starts to come in. Uh, and you didn't see any of that from Sam Howell, which to me is, is great bounce back. But more importantly, it's the right kind of bounce back because it shows uh, the, the right kind of maturity that you want in a quarterback. Too many times, you're, if you're a football fan, we've all seen it, whether it's from the Washington Commanders or just another game you happen to be watching. A quarterback makes a really bad play and they come out and they almost try to make up for that play and get another one in one throw. And it rarely works out uh, very, very well. Now, Selby also charted Howell's day two performance, which he noted in his own OTA day two notebook. Again, you can find that on the team website. I suggest you do so. Uh, and Howell finished day two's final red zone drill, completing five of six passes with two touchdown passes, one to running back Antonio Gibson, the other to running back Jonathan Williams. So ending on a high note, and that could be incredibly important for a young quarterback, and especially you love to see that bounce back from Sam Howell. So, of course, that's why he stood out. But, I mean, he's the quarterback. Howell watch is going to be every day that we're out there. So, of course, he's someone that's going to stand out. But today, standing out for the right reasons in the face of adversity. And that's what you love to see because adversity is going to come. I don't care if you're Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. Adversity is going to come. It's how you react to that adversity. And I would say that on day two, Sam Howell responded very, very well. That's just one standout player. I'm going to give you two more coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers, you can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The Boston Celtics stayed alive with a Game 4 win in the Eastern Conference Finals on Tuesday and are minus 310 money line favorites in Game 5 as well. Currently, the Celtics are 8-point favorites at minus 110 odds in that game. Meanwhile, the Denver Nuggets are waiting to see who they'll face in the NBA Finals and are minus 210 favorites to win it all. And there are now Nikola Jokic focused prop bets that you can get in on as well. If you think Jokic is going to average a triple-double in the NBA Finals, you can put money on that with plus 170 odds. No matter what you bet, there's no better place to bet on playoff action than with America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. It's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thanks again for being a locked on. Commanders are the first view today and every day. Every day is I'll be back tomorrow talking about a copyright story. That is currently developing. It's a trademark story, not copyright. I don't know why I put copyright. Uh, it's currently developing uh, as I record this. We'll recap our biggest story uh, of the week in our new In Case You Missed It segment that we're going to be introducing to the show ending every single week. Uh, apologize for a little bit of a late publish on this Thursday episode of Locked On Commanders. I uh, was out of practice all day yesterday out of Ashburn. Uh, my, my younger daughter had a graduation uh, event at church that we attended and that kind of took us into a dinner and just a, a lot of things happening on Wednesday night. So getting this out to you here Thursday morning. So for now, we're going to continue this episode with our next standout player from day two of OTA practices. And that was wide receiver Casimir Allen. Now, if you go back to rookie camp, Ron Rivera kind of specified this young man, wide receiver out of UCLA, return specialist uh, as a guy that he was really excited to get to see during rookie camp. 
and someone that we've been excited to see as we go through this process. Allen, again, an undrafted free agent out of UCLA, uh, went on the record base, said that as soon as the draft was over or was coming to an end, he got a call from Ron Rivera basically saying, look, dude, we want to sign you. Signed with Washington, and he certainly has an opportunity to make the roster because he's expected to come in and compete for those return, return duties, like we mentioned, potentially threatening the spot of receiver Dax Milne on the active roster. Now, it's way too early to sit here and say, like, Dax Milne is on the bubble and, you know, because Casimir Allen is going to take his spot. But the reality of the situation is Casimir Allen is a potential threat to Dax Milne's active spot on the roster. So Dax is going to have to respond in kind and show this team that they need to keep him over Kaz if that's going to happen. Now, he did really well earlier uh, in the month here during the rookie minicamp. But for me, not quite as well as Jadakiss Bonds, who I put in my top three uh, from that from that session. Jada Kiss Bonds, by the way, recently signed with the Green Bay Packers. So we congratulate him, wish him all the luck in the world and all the wins, except for when they play the Washington Commanders. Now, on Tuesday, we did get to turn our focus back to Allen. And before they really even got into the position drills and the team drills and all that stuff, I was watching him getting some coaching uh, on the field about positioning, how to how to you know bend his legs, how to position his body, position his arms to cradle the ball uh, as he's fielding kickoffs and punts. And what was what really kind of stood out as much as it can in that kind of moment, right? He can't hear what the coach is saying. I can't hear what the player is saying, but you could tell that Casimir Allen was receiving all of the coaching when the coach said, no, Hey, put your arms here instead of here. And even though it was like little minute uh, adjustments, he was doing it and he was paying attention to it. Uh, and then again, that shows a young player who's willing to come in, do the work, be coached, get better. And that's really the best way for a guy like this to make uh, an active roster. So again, he's going to completely or clearly compete for, uh, return duties on the Washington Commanders roster. But personally, I still like the idea of Antonio Gibson returning kicks while someone like Allen potentially fields punts. But later, you know, that's a, that's a conversation for later on down the road. We got to see how everything else turns out and everything else develops. But in team drills, though, Kaz also stood out. And that was, to me, a little bit more impressive because one thing to be a return specialist, but if you can be a return specialist that shows you have some potential to also impact the offense, especially with an offensive coordinator that has kind of the creative background that Eric Bieniemy does. I think that's really where you kind of make your money. And on one specific play that really stood out, he completely dusted uh, his defender, found himself wide open, well beyond the defense's last line of defense for an easy pitch and catch touchdown uh, that really kind of showcased his potential. You know what I mean? He was able to get off the line of scrimmage, manipulate his man, get past his man, get open, secure the ball get into the end zone, all the things that you really, really want to see out of a young receiver trying to fight for a roster spot you saw from Kaz on that play. And the movement he made was actually so slick that it really confused his defensive back. The defensive back was supposed to be covering him, literally got confused on the play, had to go to his position coach, Brett Wieselmeyer, and was kind of like, hey, like what what did I just do on that play? And, and Coach Wieselmeyer was right there on, on the spot uh, to coach up his young guy. So, uh, you know, shout out to that defender. Like he, he ended up coming back and, and making a play later on in the practice, but that rep uh, certainly won by Kaz Allen. And again, just something that kind of shows that potential and ability uh, of the young receiver. Speaking again of Zach Selby, the team reporter for the Washington Commanders, Allen was someone that Zach also pointed out in his day one uh, notebook as a standout. So this isn't a new thing. And again, he did well in the rookie mini camp, uh, just not one of the top three guys for me because I just felt like Jada Bonds had a little bit of a better day. So, Right now, you've got a strong rookie camp performance from Allen, strong OTA day one. And then I can tell you from personal experience, strong OTA day two. So he's just stacking days, man, of really good performances. Uh, and if he continues to do that, then he's going to continue to put himself in the conversation for more than just special teams 
reps. So very excited to continue to see Casimir Allen, continue to see that development and continue to get opportunities to see what he can do potentially on the field for the commanders this season. The final top standout. And I look, I'm going to word it that way because really good practice on both sides of the ball. These are all offensive players. We're going to talk more about the defense tomorrow. And I don't want to take this away as the defense didn't do well. Emmanuel Forbes got another interception, which is great. So I don't want to want to take away from that. But the conversation with the defensive players is going to involve just a little bit more than just here's who did really well. There's also some strategic things uh, involved in there that we're going to talk about. So saving that for tomorrow's episode. So, again, don't want to take this as these are the only three guys who did well, just like the rookie minicamp. Other guys did well as well. It's just we have a format. We've got to talk about it in that time frame. Tomorrow, I will continue the conversation uh, as well. But today, we're going to wrap up these star players, these standout players with tight end Cole Turner. Now, last offseason, preseason, uh, you might remember Cole Turner was something of a cult star, right? Kind of really made a splash at rookie minicamp. And then just like Kaz Allen, right, picked it up during the uh, OTA sessions into training camp, really carried that momentum and was really doing a lot of good things, getting a lot of praise from fans that saw him, from the media that was in attendance, from the team itself. And then he's over to hamstring injury during training camp. And, and hamstring injuries are, are just terrible, man, because uh, there are, I've, I've spoken to people in the league who truly believe that in order to come back from a hamstring injury, you really need months, like plural months of rest of like no physical strain, straining activity, no running, no sprinting, no jumping, uh, stuff like that. And, and in the NFL, I mean, the, the season only lasts months now, it's, you know, it's, it's six months or so, but like you can't really afford to give a guy months of time off after a hamstring pull or a hamstring injury. Um, so, you know, there's kind of always this methodology of like, let's, let's get this hamstring recovered to the point where you can get back on the field. But that hamstring, again, until you just had an extended period of time to let it heal, really isn't going to be uh, 100% for quite a while. So that really kind of derailed him during training camp going into the early part of the season. He also suffered a, a concussion at one point. So, you know, that that was that was obviously something that, that sets him back. So just a lot of physical limitations coming, unfortunately, for Cole Turner during his rookie season that didn't allow him to fully capitalize uh, on that potential that we saw during camp and in the preseason, but now he's had some time to rest. His body has had some time to heal. He's back, and I'll tell you right now, he's looking like the Cole Turner uh, that he was looking like last year. And, and again, I, I spent a lot of time with Zach Selby on the sideline. I was saying he's been a guest on this show for a reason, so make sure you guys are in tune with what Zach Selby is, is putting out there and what he's talking about. Uh, but we were talking about it, man, you know, and, and he mentioned to me that in day one, Curtis Samuel got a lot of work. Curtis, Curtis Samuel got a lot of targets from the quarterbacks. Well, on day two, it was almost like Cole Turner day. So Curtis Samuel, Cole Turner, two guys that are already kind of standing out uh, from your quote unquote first team, you know, some second team reps, obviously for Kurt, for uh, Cole. But those are two guys that you need to look out for in this Eric Bieniemy offense uh, and Cole Turner look with the injury to Armani Rogers, which we're going to talk about here more in depth in just a second. You know, never celebrate injuries, right? But that is an opportunity for Cole. Not that he was really behind Armani, but just, you know, as they try to replace those snaps that Armani would have, some of those are going to go to Cole. Some of them are going to go uh, to Curtis Hodges. But we're going to talk about that too. So good start for Cole Turner, Casimir Allen, Sam Howell, certainly looking strong to start the first OTA period, beginning of phase three here of the offseason program. But phase three is four weeks long, guys. So we've got a long time to go still in this phase. Plenty more coming up again tomorrow from this OTA practice. And we're back out there on Wednesday next week, looking at yet another practice, but ultimately it wasn't all good news for the Washington commanders. That's coming up next on today's episode of locked on commanders. Oh. 
started the day in Ashburn with some bad news. We're going to wrap up this episode talking about that bad news. Before we walked out onto the practice field, Coach Rivera came in for a pre-practice press conference uh, with the media, with the reporters on hand, uh, and revealed ahead of time that went on uh, that ahead of Wednesday's practice that Armani Rogers tight end, Armani Rogers, second-year tight end, had suffered an Achilles injury, saying, quote, Armani Rogers won't be out on the practice field. Unfortunately, yesterday he suffered a non-contact Achilles injury. He'll be examined next week, and there's really no timetable on his return. End quote. We asked Logan Thomas uh, about the injury after practice, and you know he said, quote, it hurt my heart. We were standing right behind him when it happened. I talked to him yesterday and told him that there's going to be some dark days, and when those days come, my number is always available. Call me because it sucks, man. Not even during the season. Tearing an Achilles and not having your second season, really, and knowing what your grind is to come back is going to be at least 10 months, end quote. Now, of course, Logan Thomas is not a team doctor. He's not a physician, so that is not an official uh, timeline, you know, 10 months or whatever. But this is a man who we all know has been through some injuries. He's been in the league for a while, so he kind of knows. Uh, he knows some knows a thing or two because he's seen a thing or two, right? Um so when Logan Robinson talks about a timeline of about 10 months, I mean, you, you can pretty much uh, take that to the bank for the most part. Bottom line is, uh, I mean, look, I guess never say never. And I'm not a doctor either, but I don't, you know, there, there's no way I, I, I see Armani Rogers coming back uh, this season. Now, you're never happy, uh, of course. So we wish him well um, and never happy to see a player get injured, especially, uh, you know, whether it's for a team I cover, whether it's for a team I don't cover, hopefully whether it's for a team you're a fan of or not a fan of injuries. Are a reality of this game, sure, but there, you know, it's nothing. Uh, hopefully, nothing that anybody ever celebrates. And when it's during OTAs, non-contact, it's even worse, just because it's kind of just one of those fluke things. Now, Rogers, if you don't remember, was a bit of a surprise last offseason. Really got his opportunity to shine during camp in this phase of the offseason because of injuries suffered by tight ends John Bates and Cole Turner, like we just got done uh, discussing. Now, that excitement was more potential based, right? Because not a whole lot of production once the season got started. His role, his role was certainly limited, which, you know, the depth players, that's that's typically how it kind of goes. He did play in 11 games, did start three games. Uh, in fact, had five catches for 64 yards on six targets in his rookie season. Um, so, again, not, you know, fantastical production or anything like that, but certainly uh, a lot of a lot of impressive performances from a guy who is an undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, quarterback conversion. I mean, I'd say that's a pretty solid start. Like if you're going through that walk of life. That's a pretty good first start to our first year of your NFL career. Now he's looking to make more strides this year, obviously more of a, or part of a young tight end room that really gave Washington the excuse. We talked about this a lot during the lead up to the NFL draft, very talented tight end class coming out uh, this year out of the college ranks, but the commanders felt really good about their tight end room and it's hard to blame them. They have a lot of good talented young pieces, uh, there, I still kind of stand by my word that I don't think there is a true number one replacement for Logan Thomas eventually uh, that's kind of shown up. But again, Cole Turner healthy again, perhaps could become that guy. Either way, Washington felt confident not taking one in the NFL draft. Rodgers was a part of that reason they felt confident doing so. Um, so just like Rodgers took advantage of his opportunities now, everybody's going to look to Curtis Hodges. Uh, second year, technically, you know, uh, first year player because of because of time of service, didn't get any active games last year or anything. But another undrafted free agent from last year, he's going to get now that automatic bump up the depth up the depth chart to the fourth spot uh, and get more opportunities to showcase his own potential. Hodges came out last year at Arizona State, so he's a fellow Sun Devil just like I am, and like Turner uh, is more of a receiving type tight end. So he looked good moments last year in camp, but again, he was also hampered by injuries. Uh, at one point was put on the injured reserve and never came off of it. Now, 
Moving off of uh, Armani Rogers, that unfortunate situation, Coach Rivera also provided a preemptive explanation to linebacker Jamin Davis's lack of complete participation in drills this week, saying, quote, Jamin Davis is only going through walkthroughs and meetings right now. He had a minor cleanup procedure on his knee from a lingering issue from last season. He'll continue to work his way back into the mix. And we're not worried about his being a long-time thing, end quote. So Jamin Davis on the field, more opportunities for guys like Michael Eifler, uh, Khalif Hudson, uh, Cody Barton was on the field. David Mayo was on the field. So, again, the linebackers getting work. Jamin is still present, still going through the meetings. Again, coach says he's going through walkthrough pace uh, type stuff. So still in the house uh, getting some coaching, getting some some education, furthering his own talents. But Jamin Davis, you're not going to hear a lot about him on the field while he continues to recover from this. Honestly, from the sounds of it, I probably wouldn't expect him on the field until the mandatory mini camp uh, in the beginning of June at the earliest. But honestly, if you feel like he's learning well from the classroom, and again, this is Jack Del Rio's defense. It's not Jamin Davis's first year in this system. Um, if you feel like he's coming along well, I think you probably wait till training camp to really push it because there's just not a lot of reason to push it before that. So his situation, much more manageable. And like Rivera said, nobody seems to have any concern about his availability for the season. So not the greatest news, right? But it was, that was how we started our day Wednesday. I wanted to end the show that way because uh, I don't know. It's I don't know if it's better to start on a sad note or end on a sad note, uh, but there it is. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to discuss more of what I saw at OTAs, and that's good news on Wednesday because we're literally just scratching the surface. More, Much more on the defense coming up tomorrow and offensive line uh, formation. We've got all of that. Observations about Jacoby Brissett as well. My first time seeing him in person, so come back for all that. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments, just throw them in the live chat, YouTube comments, on Twitter. Email me at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or send them directly to me via subtext. As always, I want to thank you for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, thanks for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. And remember, you can continue this conversation with me over at joinsubtext.com slash Commanders. Thank you so much for making me part of your day, part of your routine. And if you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or want to discuss, make sure you're also following me on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.